episode 486. Do you expect things to blow up in your face? With Ryan Matthews. And a few dog training tips. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Dragging down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes so to thrive. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can get this completely free 45-minute training masterclass on how to land your TEDx talk in 90 days or less without wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there, talkaccelerator.com forward slash masterclass. That's talkxcel E-R-A-T-O-R.com. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. All links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes at ayalpha.com. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Right, this week is going to be a very unique and interesting episode. We have Ryan Matthews on the line. He is a TEDx speaker, former army dog guy or dog army guy we're going to talk about that and he's a celebrity dog man now and <laughs> dog man actually sounds like my kids cartoon characters but <laughs> we're going to dig into that he's going to explain it better than me ryan are you ready to awaken your alpha today let's get it on adam good to see you man you too explain it better than me what <laughs> what are you all about sure so i was a, a former army bomb dog handler and i did that for many years and then i got out and i opened up a really successful pet dog training company uh, and now I'm working with a lot of uh, celebrity clientele and stepping into uh, doing some TV ourselves, my dog and I, and yeah, it's been quite quite a journey. Awesome. Well, you, you touched on it there. Tell us briefly about your origins. Obviously, you, you, I mean, wow, we're going to talk about, you know, the, the, the dogs in the army and the bomb disposal. But where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us today? Yeah, so I'm an hour south of L.A. in Orange County, California. Uh, I'm Very born nice. and raised in Southern. It is, man. It's it's really yeah. nice. Twenty <laughs> degrees right now. How, how about your weather? Um, just when we tried to connect and we had a few technical difficulties, I run up to get a glass of water, and my response to the weather was, "What? It's <laughs> mid-April and it was snowing." So oh, let's, yeah. let's not let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll send some sunshine your way. So I, I grew up here in Southern California, man. And, you know, I was really not in my alpha as a child out here. I was really kind of straight and lacking discipline and structure. And that resulted in me wanting to eventually join the army and go in as military police to really kind of clean up my act. And I figured it would force me to, to be a better person and kind of go down the path that I knew that I, I wanted and needed to go down. And then my first duty station was overseas in Germany. And I did that for two years. And then I discovered working with canines uh, mm. while there. And in 2002, I'm, I'm kind of dating myself, I became certified as a military working dog handler, which means army dog guy kind of thing. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it means years later, some numbnut is going to describe you as army dog guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, I want to talk about Straight away, that you talked about awakening your alpha and like going down that path, or you, it wasn't awoke when you was younger. When was a, a moment in your life when you thought like, 
I'm on the right path. Something happened or you're, oh, this is it. I'm going to be the army dog dog guy if that was one of the points. I think it was my first defining moment of me stepping into Alpha. It wasn't until the military. And it was upon finishing a basic training. So that was like a few months long of training. You know, it's your initial initiation into the military. And I remember we had just completed a major phase and had, we're pretty much graduating. And I remember about 150 of us soldiers marching all in unison, all in mm-hmm. one, with a mighty roar of this beautiful cadence, all as one cohesive unit. And in that moment, I felt totally in my power. In fact, saying it just gives me the chills. And that was like my I first like moment uh, when I was 19 of me stepping into my alpha, stepping into my power. And, you know, I certainly have strayed um, off of it at times and, and this and that. And it's been quite a journey. I instantly thought that when I was thinking, wow, what a point in, in anyone's life. And just hearing it gave, you know, made me feel like, wow. But then also the flip side, like you, you said, you, when you said you're 19, I'm like, that's a lot to live up to in terms of, especially for someone who's come out of the military and that kind of, you know, that environment. And I'm an ex-athlete where, you know, you're, you know, that's what you are. You know, you're the military dog guy. And also like for me, I was a pole vaulter or whatever people in these, these worlds where they've, they've had them sort of moments and then they're out of that and they're a civilian and they're not having them sort of moments, at least initially, because you've got to transition. You've got to obviously build up reps. Talk to us about that transition when you, you've, you've stepped out of at least the power in that arena. Civilian, <clears throat> civilian world. So I, depl- I volunteered to go to the war in 2005 with a bomb dog. And then I got out of the military after my, my tour. And, you know, I actually had PTSD prior to combat and prior to even the military, Adam, and kind of a rougher childhood. Well, the PTSD was exacerbated after the war. And I came home and I was really in fear mode a lot. And, you know, I remember that I would swerve on the road so I wouldn't run over trash. I couldn't step on a sewer manhole covering the street because I thought it would blow up. You see, oh being, a, being, yeah. being the bomb dog guy, you think everything around you is going to blow up. And, and you know what was interesting as it relates to the alpha? When, when in the military, I know I'm kind of going backwards. I remember going to a bomb threat scene and I would be like 20 something years old. And I'm telling local police department, I'm telling everyone what they need to do because my dog and I need to search that building to find a bomb. And, and so that really also allowed me to step into my confidence and step into my power and my alpha was being a bomb dog handler. And at the same time, some of what came from that was fear, PTSD, hypervigilance. Yeah. I mean, and I want to, I want to talk about that because I'm, I'm fascinated by fear and how people handle it and, or how people don't handle it. And then people going into, you know, lines of work, like I've, you know, spoke to, bomb disposal expert, not a dog handler. And so I just want to, I get going to the military, but what made you have the mindset to seek out bomb disposal in any shape or form? And, and like you said, and then also you're dealing with, obviously clearly dealing with fear to do your job or, you know, having a unique approach to it. But then also when you come back, maybe you're not dealing with fear so well because of the PTSD aspects you just mentioned. Absolutely. I mean, really, in order to do the job, I remember my, my first bomb threat. It was a huge Walmart, and 
I remember driving in the canine car with the lights and sirens and all that kind of stuff. We were, we were cruising. And I remember telling myself this mantra that I am dead. You see, I, I told myself I am dead so I'd have the courage to go and do my job. And I actually never let go of that mantra. And that resulted in down the line, you know, maybe 10 years later, or no, six years later, having multiple life-threatening illnesses because I never gave up that mantra of I am dead. So that oh my goodness, her. that was just for playing. That's right. Whoa. So we really got to be careful with our words that we choose to say to ourselves and others, right? <laughs> Media has a lot to do with this. For someone who's not been in the military, when I hear bomb disposal in any way, shape or form, my instant image is like the Hurt Locker or something along that. And now I'm speaking to you, I'm thinking of the Hurt Locker with a dog in similar stuff. I'm sure they, they don't wear it. I don't know exactly what they wear, but you talked about a Walmart. Was there any scenarios, adverse scenarios that were not in, you know, surround, familiar surroundings to civilians? For you, for your experience of this whole scenario, was it more overseas or was it more um, domestic? Right. Oh, that's a really good question. Thank you. Because no one never ever actually asked me that. Well, here's the thing. The reason why we would do the bomb threat sweeps here in the U.S. was because the local police department at that time, back in 2005, they did not have bomb or explosive dogs themselves. So they would use us. And so that's why that was kind of normal. Traditionally, being a military dog handler, our function is usually working with the Secret Service or for generals. And so we clear the vehicles, we clear the meeting buildings and rooms that they're, uh, they clear their hotels. When the president's doing, you know, something, we clear that area. When they travel within our region of the country, you know, mm -hmm. we would go and clear it. The president doesn't have their own, their own dog team, interestingly enough. Okay. Uh, come to think of it, you know, that's kind of odd as, as I reflect on that. And so um, far more bomb threat type of work overseas. That's pretty much all we do. Right. Yeah, it, that's, and that's why that's what I was picturing and thinking and, and having conversations with, you know, other people in a similar line. That was kind of where the conversation automatically went. Yeah. Right. And, and you know what, though, what's kind of crazy is I discovered that like with PTSD, it's not just the war. You can have PTSD in a car accident by being sexually assaulted. Um, I got PTSD even prior to the war with childhood stuff. And then even this whole doing bomb threats, because I took on that mantra, I am dead. I took my job mm. so serious, I would think that the bomb was going to blow up. You know, I took it very serious. I didn't think it was fake. But you had mentioned, like, how realistic are these bomb threats? Uh, they happen all the time. Uh, we mm. just, they're not publicized. And how was your mindset in seeking out that role within the military? Talk to mm. me about the psychology behind, like, I know once you was in it, you know, that I, I'm already dead or I'm dead kind of mantra. But in terms of, hey, this is, it's a dangerous profession as it is. I'm going to step it up a notch in some ways or not. I don't know how the mindset is now, but I'm going to go out after and I'm going to serve and help in this way. The way I started working with dogs was just simply my love for animals. That's all it was. I was in Croatia on a deployment and not a combat deployment. It was super chill. And I remember seeing these dog handlers and I'm like, those guys seem very happy. They're super chill. They're cool. That's a good point. I love dogs too, man. So yeah, they're, they're great. And I'm like, that seems like a cool job. They weren't Getting even paid, like, paid to hang out with dogs and train exactly. dogs. Wow. And they're doing the bite stuff on the, with the sleeve. I was like, wow. I think cool. I need a career change. It's just hit me. Oh man. <laughs> we can talk about that stuff too. I, I trained <laughs> trainers and 
you know, right now I charge hundreds of dollars per hour for my time. This, this legitimate right. yeah. money made in that. So anyways, it started Adam with just this love for animals. And I'm like, Hey, that would be cool. And then my first dog was a, was a drug dog. And the funny thing about the drug dog was the reason I, was I say this is, this is a dog that's not on drugs. I'm assuming he goes yeah, yeah, off. Yeah. Drugs. <laughs> this dog was such a druggie. I had to get him, get him cleaned up first. <laughs> that's right. Well, this is, uh, this is actually a good clarifying question because the real reason why I joined the army was to uh, get out of drug dealing, right? So I was a drug dealer in high school, right? Wow, the story gets juicier every second. Come oh, on. Yeah, no, <laughs> and so... I'm this former drug dealer in high school, joined the army to get out of that stuff. And next thing you know, I'm working a drug dog, right? It's just nuts. Wow. Again, <laughs> you're like, yeah, this was my unique experience. I wanted, to, I wanted to find out from the inside so I could better do my job as a dog handler. I thought this through. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My resume looked really good, right? I'm like, not the experience. And so- You say, te technically I was undercover when I was in high school, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was just doing the background work for the future job. And so, you know, it seemed cool just working a drug dog and, um, but then you graduate, you get promoted to working a bomb dog. And then that's cool. Oh, secret service and this and that. It's cool till it's not. It's cool till mm. you're doing a bomb threat. It's cool till you go overseas and work with special operations and you're doing, you know, you're doing big boy, big girls kind of stuff, stuff you see in the movies with helicopters flying over. It's kind of wild. So that's how it evolved. Was there ever a point where, like you say, it's, it's evolving, it's evolving, it's evolving, and then you're like, oh, this is some serious stuff, where you thought, I like dogs. H how did I get to this point? Or did you ever question it? Or were you just so focused on the mission? And uh, kind of linked to that, maybe a secondary question or the same, what was the most adverse situation you found yourself in where you thought, yeah, this, this is a, a bit too far, or like, this isn't a good situation, clearly? You know what's crazy about my experience in the war, Adam, is as a dog handler is we deployed by ourselves. That means I didn't go overseas with hundreds of soldiers with me. I literally went with my dog and I and another dog handler. That was it. Right. And so we were on our own. Now, what's the other the crazier part is that I did not receive one day of training prior to combat. Like you normally go to NTC National Training Center, which is like pre-combat training stateside. Right. I didn't get any of that. So I didn't know what to expect. And so I remember my, my flight into the FOB. And I remember, I'm like, what the hell is a FOB? Well, it means forward operating base. It's the base. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing as well. It's <laughs> a FOB? What a key FOB? What are we talking about, yeah. right? And so. Oh, I'm just thinking because a lot of times people's fears comes from the unknown, like situations we're in now. So you, you, obviously it's a dangerous profession and your avenue. And then they're adding unknowns on top of it to you being an outsider with the job, you, it's great. You do your own thing somewhat, but then that means you don't always have support. So you were mm -hmm. talking about some adverse things, just even my first flight into country, we had to, uh, well, I thought it was an emergency landing because we're cruising in a big belly plane and then they shut off the engines to the plane. But I didn't know that. I thought they were turned off on accident. Next thing you know, we nosedive straight down. They call it a combat land. And they nosedive so you don't get shot down with a rocket-propelled grenade, right? So you, that's why you shut off the engine so you're stealth and quiet. You nosedive so you're not in the air very long. And then we're shooting off, and if, I can't see this because there's no windows, we're shooting off heat flares from our, health, from our airplane. 
And so that's so that an RPG record propelled grenade won't shoot us and it follows the heat signal of the, the flare. And so it nosedive and then you hear thunk, thunk, thunk. And I'm like, oh my God, we're getting shot down. And again, I don't have any friends. I don't know the soldiers on the plane with me. And you know, you're a tough guy. You're not going to yeah. act like anything. But the guy across the way from me in the cargo plane must have saw my face. Must have looked crazy because he's like, we're combat landing. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Well, I didn't know what a combat land was. So I thought that we were emergency landing and we like got shot down emergency landing. And when the hatch to the back of the airplane opens, we need to shoot and kill people. That's what I was ready to do. Oh, That's how clueless I was, man. And that was my welcome into country. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. Get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker. And you can jump over Talk X C E L E R A T O R dot com forward slash masterclass. Really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Wow, what country was that? Uh, that was uh, Iraq. I was in Missoula, Iraq. Blimey, what a story. And that's before, like, that's literally, like you say, landing. That's, <laughs> whew, my goodness. Wow, well, I mean, we want to talk about dogs as well. <laughs> but geez, I mean, God, so much we can go into. Oh, wow. I mean, I want to do, I'm going to do this a little bit different, but I want to jump into the alpha round at this point, and I think it will lead on some interesting conversations. But through all of this, I mean, and I have no idea if you're a big book reader. I know you're an author, so I'm going to maybe assume slightly. But is there a personally a, a very impactful book for you that you either read the right thing at the right time or just an all-time favorite book? You know, I feel like you can't go wrong with Napoleon Hill. There was just so many really valuable nuggets of information and, you know, just treating people with dignity and respect and care and being thorough as well and being thoughtful and generous. And, you know, it's kind of like, be the change, right? And then you get things back. That was that was huge. And I'm a big believer in law of attraction. And so the book Asking It Is Given by Esther Hicks as well was a great one. Um, but right now I'm reading Outwitting the Devil uh, by Napoleon oh, Hill as yeah. well, which is a kind of an interesting uh, audio book. Is there a particular quote that really sums up either your approach to life or just a favorite quote of yours? I really love that, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm. And for me, why that touches home so much is, you know, I haven't really been proud or happy of the human being that I've been for nearly my entire life. And so for me, I feel as though it's a beautiful reminder of looking in that mirror, you know, being that mirror and understanding that the things that we put out are the things that we'll get back towards uh, from others, should I say. And mm. it really is, again, you know, part of being an alpha, I feel is, you know, be a leader, show initiative, lead by example, let others see it and let other people model after your greatness or just your kind gesture. Is there any particular useful resources you think that are out there um, or just you use in your everyday life might have nothing to do with dogs? For me, one of the game changers was meditation. And if people are not into meditation, that's fine. Just finding some kind of outlet where one can zone out, maybe it's art therapy, but it's kind of like, essentially, it's a matter of being fully and completely present and not focused on, you know, whatever task we may need to do that day. 
an argument, no. We're only focused on that very specific, in fact, dog training can be that because when you work with a dog, you must be fully present with that animal. You can't be thinking about other stuff. Meditation has been a game changer and because it's really dialed down my PTSD. In fact, I have a three hour morning ritual that prepares me for my day and my time with you and everyone else. And without that, I'm a different person. And so uh, part of that is working out. And so, yeah, but again, meditation was my, my big one. What advice do you have to deal with those fears and anxieties outside of the meditation that you touched on some routines there and, and, and how did you, or do you deal with it? I have been, I am not have, I am extremely fortunate to have an incredible team that really helped me work on my stuff. I mean, I have wonderful healers that I'm so grateful for that helped me get from where I want, where I'm at, uh, you know, you know, from where I was to where I wanted to go type of thing. And so community and support matter. Like, to get through this stuff, we really need someone outside of ourselves to sometimes find the answer. Because whether it's business or our personal life, when we're in it, we can't always see the answers, right? And so that really helps. And what I would encourage people, regardless of, you know, if they're a first responder or a sexual assault victim or, or who knows what, as it relates to, you know, and a lot of us have been through things. A lot of us have not addressed childhood, which is one of the first things I would say is a lot of us have limiting beliefs, which stem from childhood. And so I feel as though addressing that is one of the great places to start. Uh, the other thing is for all of us to know that the only way through it is through it. You see, if we keep putting band-aids, if we keep deflecting or doing these different things to distract us from, you know, the thing underneath the thing, then we're not going to really ever get there. And so it's just a matter of going through it. I remember coming home from the war, Adam, like I couldn't step on that sewer manhole cover, but I would incrementally, just like I would train a dog, incrementally start to step on it a little bit more day after day after day. And I literally couldn't step on it. I thought it would blow up. Well, next thing you know, eventually through repetition, which is one of the secrets of training dogs, I was able to bounce up and down on this thing, saying a mantra of I am happy, I'm healthy, I'm humble. Um, over and over and over, putting that into my brain. And so I just encourage people to find community. And I'm happy to be a resource as well for that. And um, from beyond. Listen, I mean, this sounds like a perfect time. What's the best way people can connect with you if they want to, you know, sure. be part of that community and find out more? Yeah, so on social media, it's at I am Ryan Matthews. That's two T's and an S at the end. And, you know, for your community, they can email me. It's fine. It's ryan at worldofdogtraining.com. One of the things after I had what I thought was my second heart attack, I committed in that moment to be of service to other people after I had transformed my life. And so that's what I'm here for, man, is to, to share my gifts and be of service. Second heart attack. Again, you say so many things. <laughs> I'm like, let's just back that up again. <laughs> as briefly as you want. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so in 2008, or yeah, from 2008 to 2011, I was really at the peak of dog training and had commercials on TV, a huge facility, a team, and uh, I made close to a million bucks in two and a half years training dogs. And so I wow. share that. Not Congrats, to, man. Yeah, but that's, wow. But to impress upon your audience, like if Ryan can make money training dogs like that, you all can make money doing whatever the heck you want and to do. How many years out of the uh, military were you then? 
I was two, I was two years out of the army, but um, I had done a contract job as a civilian drug dog. I went back to the drug stuff, <laughs> drug dog <laughs> uh, for, for about a year and a half after the army. And then I opened up the pet dog training company. I, but I became a workaholic, Adam. I wasn't really doing substance mm. abuse or anything like that, but I was just working all the time, man. 10 to 12 yeah. clients a day. Uh, that's part of how I made all that's that. That's tricky because again, like when you start having success and depending on what you line, like line of work to a certain point, there's still, oh, success. Oh, that's very motivating. Let's have some more of this. Let's have some more of this. And then, yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah, so then I ended up having stomach pain for five months and I rushed to the ER and it ended up being stage three colon cancer at the age of 30. Whoa. Compare, and this may be like apples and oranges, but fear and anxiety are in the adverse situations you've been in bombs and bomb disposal scenarios and you know your combat landing yeah. to that kind of news and how you deal with that because there's no one particularly to fight or to deal with it's you well uh, there was a piece of me that was in denial to be to be realistic okay and i think that that's something that a lot of people that have been through that kind of stuff don't talk about and it's and it's okay and it's normal to be in denial but again the only way through it is through it and you know, I could say that I ended up needing to, I know you like mindset. I ended up creating a creative visualization technique to rid the thought of me getting cancer again, because after that had happened hundreds of times a day, this inner voice in my head would be like, Oh, you're going to get cancer again. So I created a technique to rid myself of those thoughts and the emotion tied to that, uh, which is kind of a cool process. And I'm happy to share that with your audience if they email me again. Uh, but you know, that's not the end. It was, cancer in May. And then on July 4th, just a couple months later, I had a heart attack from the chemotherapy. Oh my goodness. Talk yeah. about kick you when you're down. <laughs> That's right. Blimey. Yeah. Right. Dogs. <laughs> no, I was going to say in terms of, you know, sharing and serving and obviously a great wealth experience. Talk to us about, you know, people may just, I'd say just have, they may have just a family pet, it may be a bit of a rascal. It may be, you know, it might not be the worst behaved or it may be, but it, it may be not really the best behaved. And then probably a bit of them thinking, oh, I wish it could be better, you know, better. I'm sure it's got more potential because I, I, I had a golden, a golden Labrador grown up and they're like oh, guide dogs. So, yeah. you know, and we trained it legendary. Like it was more than it needed for us, but we, I know it could have done more, but you know, it's not in a circus. Like it was an awesome dog, but we had lots of struggles near the early days. You know, it was a little, it was carnage. Um, and we, yeah, so some people listening and maybe they're, they're getting a dog thinking to get a dog or they got a dog and they're like, this dog is distinctly average with its uh, behavior. <laughs> well, here's the thing, you know, it's, it's really not all that difficult. If people would awaken their alpha when it comes to their dog and step into their power, they would never need to hire me to be mm. a dog trainer for them. The problem, Adam, is that people are not into their power. They're not into their alpha as it relates to their dog. The, I'm assuming the dogs, I mean, like people, but especially dogs, they know that. They can sense that. They smell that instantly. <laughs> well, dogs are like the ultimate con artists. They're always being opportunists and ways to manipulate us and nudging our hand to pet them, right, yeah. and giving us those eyes like – they, they communicate like us about 93% nonverbal. And so they're going off of all of these, uh, these body language cues, right? To manipulate mm -hmm. us to do what they want, which is often food, a pet or praise or something like that. But if people would be into their alpha 
And, and by the way, when we talk about an alpha with a dog, it's not to be mean. Like when we talk about what is an alpha, I feel as though an alpha is, is someone that is very fair, someone that is very consistent, which is one of the secrets of dog training, being consistent. Um, someone that is reliable, if they can be count on. And someone that follows through. If I tell you to do something, you're going to do it. If you don't do it, I'm going to facilitate it, being consistent and following through. You're going to do it. And then what happens is the animal's like, yep, you follow through. I'll just do it the first time. But people don't. People become a little careless, if you will. But remember that our animals will be as good as we follow through. Okay? And it really comes down to this. Reward when impressed. Remember that. Reward when impressed and correct for behaviors that your dog knows better. So rewarding consequences. And we do this through really simple finesse. There's no yelling, there's no raising the voice, but people need to reward when impressed and correct for behaviors that are not ideal. Now, when you do those two things, the secret is this, you have one second for the animal's brain to make the connection of what you want and don't want. One second, and we know that from science, that there was a study in a lab, okay? And so those are some of the nuggets that, that will, serve your audience and you know i have plenty of resources to help your audience find their ideal training method through a quiz and this type of thing but again if they would just step into their power and be in their alpha be consistent fair follow through it'd be yeah. game changer it would solve a lot of problems i mean <laughs> i wasn't sure if you was uh, like the uh, parenting parenting expert there for a second now <laughs> it's like, <laughs> a lot of life man yeah. <laughs> so awesome and uh, obviously you've had success and we talked about the, you know, the business, financial success. And I want to talk about like kind of that moment that, that not attached to finance or business success, but in terms of, you know, you, you put it in your, 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 basically your tagline, your bio, celebrity dog trainer, where you're in either a situation scenario where you're thinking, well, this is a long way from my combat landing. Like what, this, is, this is a cool scenario or situation. It's like kind of like a, a little alpha moment for yourself. Is there any that spring to mind? Yeah, you know, for me, as far, you know, I haven't been a confident person in growing up. I haven't been. And it's been a combination of multiple things that have really allowed me to be in my alpha. Now, the other part about the way I show up in my alpha is sometimes it shows up as a bit too direct. And so what I've been really practicing on is this heart-centered alpha. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, it's been a fundamental shift and it feels better as well. It feels better in my soul when I'm showing up as, cause I used to think, especially some of my training, you know, army SWAT, secret service yeah, stuff, yeah. combat, I would think that I had to be direct and assertive and all this other stuff. And now I'm learning, well, there's a time and place for that. And so it's been, you know, military writing and finishing my first book, um, being an entrepreneur and starting public speaking. Those things have really helped in my confidence to step into my alpha. And now over the past few years, doing the work, man, on, with, with, again, help from others on then really fine tuning what that alpha looks like for me. Yeah. And you talked about stepping into the alpha and some things that like made your list there. You talked about uh, presenting, speaking on stage and you, you are a TEDx speaker, which we're going to We're going to dig deep into that in our, like our sister show, Talk Accelerator, but just touch on very briefly, how did that come along in your kind of thoughts, opportunities, uh, and that, just briefly like that experience. Well, the, you did it. Yeah. yeah the, the TEDx, man, that, that episode, they're not going to want to miss because the way that I got the TEDx talks is unheard of. I've never, 
heard of anyone Ooh, getting to the, the, the way that I did. It's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm happy to share those knowledge bombs. No, but, I like the teaser trailer better, man. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we're going to get into it. We're going to record that straight away. So if it's, if you're hearing this, it's probably already out. You can jump across to, uh, to hear that. Awesome. Wow. This time has just absolutely flown. No, please do. Yeah. Adam. So, you know, when I was in my second heart attack moment where I thought I was about to be done for the rest of my life, man, I was 35 years old and my head was about to hit the ground and I thought I was dying and done for good. And I had to get real with myself and I had regret and I realized I didn't do everything I wanted to do in this lifetime. And so I reach out to this higher power as I'm about to lay on the ground and give up. And I was so weak. I thought I was just done. And as I reach out to this higher power, I made a promise that I would transform my life. And then I committed to being of service to others. And then in that part of being of service to others was turning my pain into some purpose, right? And so that's when I discovered, you know what? I want to be a professional speaker. And so it started with joining Toastmasters. And that's how I started to get into public speaking was really just to share my pain to be of service to other people so they don't have to go through what I had. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to dig into that even deeper, but you know, people have got the, they've got all the contacts of how to connect with you. They're in the show notes as well. Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. Oh man, it was my pleasure. And then we have a free gift for your audience, which I'm sure oh, we can. Yes, please. Well, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Just going to have to go there and find out what it is. Then. <laughs> Cheers. Awesome. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.